Hello and welcome to the filmpulse.net podcast. This is episode number 105. My name is Adam. With me today we have Kevin. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing good. Doing good. Doing good. I survived Winter Storm K-Pax. <laughs> My dad said that was the 12th one yeah. up there. The 12th yeah. Winter Storm. Yeah. Out of control. Well, we had... It was... Like, during the day, like, in the morning, it snowed. We got, like, close to a foot. And then it, like, sort of cleared up, and then it snowed that night. And we got, like, another six, seven inches. And then it snowed the next day. And then it snowed yesterday morning. It's just been snowing nonstop. It's just snow on top of snow. Also, you know, we talked about freezing fog the other episode. I heard a a new term that I never heard of called snowquake. Yeah. There's been Mm -hmm. been snowquakes. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty fun. It's it's a lot of fun. The other weird thing is, like, it's always in the single digits, so the snow doesn't go anywhere. Like, even yeah. when it's not snowing, it doesn't melt or anything. So there's just snow everywhere. It's crazy. It's good times. Uh, today we'll be going over some of what we've been watching before getting into a review of the 1986 Paul Verhoeven classic, RoboCop. Then we'll be getting Film Paul's contributor, Ernie Trinidad, back on the show to review the RoboCop reboot. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First up, let's go over some of what we've been watching. Kevin. Oh, me. I watched uh, another Billy Wilder movie called The Lost Weekend from 1945, all about uh, one guy's uh, lost weekend binge drinking. Nice. And this guy it's... goes to town drinking. I mean, it's ridiculous. So it's like the hangover. It's... Like the it's... hangover took place in 45. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how we... I mean, we've talked about this a number of times where the, no one really seems to be able to capture alcoholism in film mm-hmm. perfectly. This movie actually comes really damn close. Hmm. And it's 1945. When everybody was an alcoholic. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you just drank and smoked all the time. Um, Ray Milland, who plays the main character, Don Burnham, who's the alcoholic. I mean, he gives an unbelievable performance. The, like, the direction and cinematography and stuff is sort of just straightforward Hollywood classic style. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but his performance is just unbelievable. And it, essentially, the whole film is just him. Like, outside of that, there's not really much to get excited about. Because there's actually a lot of other performances in here that are terrible. But there is, for as unbelievable as his performance is, and he just, he nails it with humor and playing drunk and just the, the desperation and everything that he goes through, he cannot fall down the stairs. <laughs> There's one very, very uh, important sequence where he's walking around town trying to hawk his typewriter to get money to buy some booze because he's out. He's out of booze. He's out of money. So his last ditch effort is to sell his typewriter. But apparently back then, all the the uh, pawn shops were owned by the Jewish people, and they were closed because of Yom Kippur, mm. so he couldn't hawk his typewriter. So he goes back to this woman's house, she gives him some money, and like as he's going down the stairs, because he's been walking around all day and he hasn't had anything to eat, he just he falls down the steps, and they end up taking him to the hospital. But the way in which he falls is just unbelievably hilarious. Because he just goes, ah, and then just this, like, exaggerated, like, just flailing his arms, like, as he walks down the steps. Oh, God, it was hilarious. But, nice. uh, 
Yeah, I definitely recommend it. <laughs> it's great. Outside of that, outside of that, it's fantastic. Hmm. But that okay. will make you chuckle. The Lost Weekend. The Lost Weekend. From 1945. I saw a movie that took place in the 40s. Oh, yeah? Uh, the Monuments Men. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling that this is not good. It is not good. It is really, really <laughs> not good. Uh, wow. This this is one where, you know, I, I heard the reviews and... I was I still wanted to give it a shot because the cast was great and I liked the the premise, you know, it's a true story about this uh this team in World War II who is tasked with recovering stolen and lost pieces of art uh that that the Nazis took and you know, it's I thought it was a it was an interesting idea and it seemed like it was going to be kind of like an oceans movie but set in World War II. And it's got Bill Murray and John Goodman and Clooney and Matt Damon and uh, Balaban. Yeah, you got Balaban in there? Just it was a great uh, cast, fun fun concept, but I'll tell you, it did not deliver, sir. Wow. It was not. It, there were all these moments that were supposed to be funny that just did not work. It was not funny at all. It was, it was way too earnest. Like, it was... Just segment after segment of two people having a conversation about how important it is of what they're doing. And we don't get to see enough of them actually doing it. So, like, what happens early on, uh, there's, like, this montage of, of Clooney and, and Matt Damon going and forming the team. And this was, like, this was a really good opportunity for the movie to... Uh, introduce all these characters you know they go to all these different places across the country and recruit these guys but they do it in a montage with music playing over it so we don't hear anything so we never really get to know these people at all and that's that's the big downfall of this movie is that they spend so little time with the characters that we don't get to know them and they're so underutilized and there, there are certain moments where you think that it's going to be something cool that happens. Like, like there's a scene where Bob Balaban goes out to take a piss and, and uh, a German soldier comes out from the woods and, and holds him up. And you think that something, you know, this is going to be a tense moment, but it just falls so flat. And it's, it was just such a disappointing movie. Plus, at the beginning of the film, as soon as they get out of, of boot camp, which could have been a really other... Uh, amusing scene to see these older gentlemen going through boot camp, which they just, they breeze through that. Um, They, they split up. They all split up. So Matt Damon goes off by himself and then they put them in pairs and send them to all different locations. So they're not even really together for most of the movie. And it's just, uh, it's bad. The music is terrible. Uh, It's just so cheesy at times. And, there are these heartfelt moments where like oh. George Clooney is, is giving them like a pep talk over the radio. Yeah. And there's just, it's just scene after scene of them talking about how important this, it is to get this art. And it's like, we get it. I just, guess, just I get, get that it's important. I get that it's important, but yeah, it is, uh, <laughs> it's unfortunate. I, I do would, not like it. I would also like it. It would be interesting to see what the count is of the number of, war films that always has that guy that has to go off and take a piss and yeah. then something happens. I mean, I think that happens in almost every single war film. Yeah, apparently that happened a lot in World War II. 
<laughs> so unfortunately, I, I can't recommend The Monuments Men. Yeah, that sounds awful. I don't want any of that. Uh, I have a movie that I can recommend, which is Ernest and Celestine. And I've been, yeah, I've been meaning to see this. I've been trying. I've been trying to wait for it to come out in America. Been waiting, and I've been waiting way too long. So I had to import it, and it's fantastic. But it, the one thing that it's quite odd is, you know, I got this from the UK, and there is absolutely no English audio. So unless you're a French kid, you can't see this unless you can read subtitles at, at a surprisingly young age. And understand everything which it just seems sort of ridiculous because they're in the uk they're just missing out on this entire uh market which is pretty much the entire market that this film is aimed for right so that's doesn't quite make sense i'm interested to see the american version now because i want to see how forrest whitaker does uh, the, yeah the voice ernest. yeah the voice of ernest and the animation right off the bat is fantastic I would. I just want more animation like this. It's just, just watch the Charmin commercials, man. <laughs> it's a, it doesn't look anything like the Charmin commercial. <laughs> oh god! But then I I did end up having a long discussion about Charmin commercials because they've always they creep me out those damn commercials. <laughs> but back to this movie, you got on the upper level is where all the bears live, and then the lower level is where the rats and mice live, and it's, it's this extremely bizarre story where the mice are like an internship at the dentistry school where they have to go up into the bear world and get some bear teeth because that's the only type of teeth that can replace rat teeth. And rats build all their societies by gnawing and they end up breaking their teeth so they need new teeth. And of course, you can't get along. Bears can't be with mice. And of course, oddly enough, a friendship is formed between one bear and one mouse mm. and that's what it's all about an unlikely friendship unlikely friendship and but it's actually pretty damn funny the the story is just ridiculous and it's actually i didn't know this or maybe i just completely forgotten but it's it's uh made by the guys that directed the town called panic which is a bizarre belgian animation film and you can definitely see all the humor from a town called panic in this film mm. So I highly recommend this. This was a 10 out of 10 for me. Pretty much 10, 15 minutes in, I was just like giant smile on my face. It's, I, the feeling that I had watching this was the same that I had watching my neighbor Turturro. Exactly the same. I was just happy the whole time. And I was like, I love this. It's so much fun. Ernie reviewed this for the site and he only gave it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, because he hates everyone in the <laughs> world and he hates life. That's the only reason I can see you give it a below a ten. Yeah, so ch check that out. I don't know what the U.S. release date is for that. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I get it imported, and like as soon as I order it, the next day I see the trailer for the American version. And I'm like, God yeah. damn it! I know that uh, the the English one did play at Sundance, and I don't, but I don't know when it's going to be coming out. Definitely check it out when it comes out. I saw a movie that's going to be out. I think this week. Uh, called Cheap Thrills. It's directed by E.L. Katz. Uh, this premiered at South by last year, but we didn't get a chance to see it. And Draft House Films picked it up at the festival, I believe. So it's basically about this uh, this guy who he loses his job. He is getting evicted from his apartment. He has a newborn baby, and he's just in 
serious trouble. He decides to go out for a drink. He meets up with a friend uh, that he hasn't seen for five years. And then there are these, this couple at the bar and they end up talking to the couple. They find out that the couple is rich and the couple starts offering them money to do different things like a contest, like a game. Okay. And things just escalate and escalate and escalate. And it just gets to just ridiculous levels. Like it starts off really simple. Like first person to take a shot gets 50 bucks. And then it's like the first person to go over and smack that, uh, stripper on the ass gets, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah. And it just keeps going up from there until it, it, things get bloody, things get violent. I was going to say, does someone shoot somebody for money? Uh, well, you, you'll have to watch, you'll have to watch <sighs> the movie to, to see what happens. It's, it's a dirty movie. Like it's, it doesn't make you feel good. That's for sure. But at the same time, it makes you really kind of think about what you would do, you know, if you were in that situation, because Pat Healy plays the main character and it's like, you know, he's doing all this stuff for his family. Like it's not stuff that he wants to do and it's not stuff that he feels good about doing, but he's just trying to get money so that, you know, his family doesn't get kicked out onto the streets. Yeah. And his his friends played by Ethan Embry, and he's he's kind of more like opportunistic. Like he's just doing it because he wants to. And he He's just having a good time. Yeah, and they start off as as friends. You know, they they go way back. And they're kind of trying to help each other out, you know, like, like at first Ethan Embry's like, y- you can do this one, you know, like take it. And, but then eventually they start competing with each other and they start hating each other because of it. Do they but learn it's, from each other? It's very, f- no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very fun. It's very, I would call it a very dark comedy. Uh, the, the couple, the rich couples played by Sarah Paxton and David Ketchner. And David Ketchner's great, as always. More of a dramatic role than he usually plays, but he's fantastic in it. Okay. Highly recommend this. I think it comes out on video on demand and in theaters on Friday. So I was I was sort of on the fence until you said it's more of a dramatic role for him. Yeah. I was yeah, like, it is. Oh, that's got me intrigued. Yeah. He he doesn't play like the kind <laughs> of goofball that he usually does. Hmm. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Definitely recommend it. Another film I recommend, which I also imported, because for some reason you can't get these in the U.S., is one of Asghar Farhadi's earlier films before he came out with The Separation in the Past, which is from 2009 called About Ellie, which very similar in the other two films that I mentioned, where Farhadi pretty much just bases all of the film on just small nuggets of information. So it starts out as just uh, a group of like three married couples and their kids go on a vacation with a friend of theirs that's visiting from Germany. Now, this man expressed interest in being in getting remarried. So they bring maybe, you know, uh, one of the little girl's teachers along and maybe they might hit it off and get married. But of course, things go wrong. And then things about Ellie's past starts to get unearthed and who knows what and just the way that Farhadi is able to get so much tension out of just dialogue is completely outstanding and he does it this is maybe like 10 times better than a separation like I thought a separation was great and it blew me away 
with the writing and the acting, but this film really tops it. And I can see, you know, why people are so excited about this guy. And I definitely got to go back and watch more. And one of the other interesting things is this film had a lot better cinematography, which his last two films, uh, Separation and The Past, really didn't have much of. They were more of just like a writing and acting showcase. Mm-hmm. But this one has some great camera work in it to go along with it. It's just really well-rounded film. I can't, if you're able to check it out, which I know being in the U.S. it's going to be tough. You're going to have to import it, but it's definitely worth it. About Ellie from 2009. Uh, I saw a movie called The Returned. This came out this this past Friday. I think on video on demand in, in theaters, select cities. It's a zombie film, but it's it's kind of an interesting take on the zombie uh, subgenre where it, it takes place in kind of a near future where um, they've developed a, sort of a, not a vaccine, but sort of a an injection that can keep the virus at bay in the host. So if you get bitten by someone that's infected, if you get treatment early enough, I think it's within the first 48 hours of the bite, you can be be saved. You can still live your life normally, but the only thing is you have to take this injection every single day. And if you miss even one injection, you turn into a zombie. And what happens in the film is they run out. They run out of the supply and they were uh, it's because the the medicine involves some sort of protein that they were running out of and they tried to synthesize the protein, but it wasn't working. And then supply runs out, kind of throws everything into chaos. People are killing each other for these this medicine and stuff like that. And it's actually it is a zombie movie, but there's like almost no zombies in this movie at all. It's more about the the struggle of this couple who the husband is infected and the wife is a doctor who works with people that are infected. And it's just about their struggle trying to procure the medicine and, and keep him alive, keep him from turning. And it's uh, it's pretty good. Like I, I was genuinely surprised at how much I, I actually liked this movie. It was really tense at times. There's a lot of suspense in it. But it felt more like a drama than a horror movie. There mm. were like really no horror elements to it at all. So <laughs> if you like kind of the dramatic aspects of of shows like The Walking Dead, like the character moments, uh, I would definitely check out The Returned. And it's not to be confused with the TV show, the French TV show, The Returned, which is also about. Are you serious? Sort of. It's also yeah <laughs> that. That it's different. Uh, the TV show's better, by the way. But oh, okay. Sick. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, light, very light recommend. <clears throat> light recommend. Okay. Uh, I finally got around to seeing Nebraska. Oh. Mr. Alexander Payne, who I'm not a huge fan of. No, you're not. I pretty much don't like any of his movies. Uh, I did like Nebraska. There you go. This was this was watchable. I actually enjoyed this. Um, one of the and I'm curious, I didn't really get to check and see yet, but do you remember when Francis Ha came out? And yeah. it seemed like there was a lot of people criticizing Bombach's use of black and white. I don't know how many reviews I read where people were like, I don't understand why he uses black and white. It doesn't make any sense. It's bullshit. It's just an artistic choice. So 
after I saw Nebraska, I was like, I wonder if those same people say the same thing about Nebraska. Because I really don't remember anyone criticizing Payne for using black and white cinematography. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. But everyone was going crazy criticizing Noah Baumbach. So I didn't get a chance to look into that. I'm very interested to see if that is the case with Nebraska. I have a feeling that it's not. Well, it did get it did get nominated for Best Cinematography this year. So, so there you go. Well, I have to say, thoroughly enjoyed Will Forte in his role. Uh, I love Bruce Dern. Very uh, subdued, understated performance. It was mostly his entire performance is just body language. Yeah, him just looking and being confused. Yeah, and he does an amazing job of it. And June Squibb was great because I kept wondering, you know, why is so much praise for June Squibb? Because judging from the trailer and stuff, it didn't seem like she was really in it at all. And now I see why. Because she brings a lot of comedy to it. Yeah, she was great. I I absolutely loved uh, Bart and Cole, the Will Forte's cousins, and how they couldn't get over the fact that it took them two days. <laughs> the driving. <laughs> Uh, the, all of that was <laughs> hilarious. It's Buzz from Home Alone. Oh, I know. It's so great. And Who is also, as a side note, he's also in the, that movie Blue Ruin that's coming oh. out. And, he, and he's great in that, too. The funny thing is me and my wife are trying to figure out where we know him from. And we realized that he's been in every single Law and & Order. And that's <laughs> where we remember him from. <laughs> so he did a great job on Law & Order. Uh, I also loved when... They decide, you know, it's him and Bob Odenkirk driving their parents, and they decide to stop at Ed Pegram's place. Steal the <laughs> generator. The, the resulting <laughs> argument when they get like a quarter of a mile down the road was just hilarious. Yeah, I I mean, I loved it. I, well, I shouldn't say I loved it. I guess for for an Alexander Payne film, I loved it. I love. I was it. I was actually surprised how much I enjoyed it. I didn't. I still have that problem where I can't get over the structure. Like how much of this film is just footage of the Subaru driving through the mm-hmm. frame, and then another one of the Subaru driving through the frame, and then the Subaru pulling up to a stop sign, and then the Subaru pulling up and parking in a parking Oof. spot. I mean, it's like forty-five minutes of the damn movie. I get it. But one of the very interesting things is, I, you know, I, I had to get on the message boards on IMDb because they're hilarious. And one person could not believe that small town America is like this. They just thought that it was exaggerated beyond belief. And well, that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. Exactly. Because when they do like there's uh, a lot of those shots where he shows, uh, which one was it? Like the Masonic Temple sign. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was just like, when I was looking at those images i'm just like holy shit it looks exactly like the area i live in it's a little more desolate than where i live but a lot of that imagery is the same plus he used a lot of non-actors he used locals that's what he he does that all the time but i mean it's it's small small town america to the t it's not exaggerated at all the only other movie that i even wanted to mention was knights of bad astem this is playing on demand right now and now I don't know what happened to this movie. This is kind of one that got, it It was made a long time ago, I think, but it never came out. And then there were like some issues with how it turned out and the rights and all this stuff. And 
it it somehow got taken out of the the director's hands and he didn't even know that they were going to be releasing it it was just like a big mess and they finally did something like they recut it or did something with it and put it out there and it is it's bad it is mm. very very bad i was actually kind of excited for this just because it's got a it's got a decent cast and it seemed like it would be a, a funny movie you know it's kind of a take on the whole larping thing where this group of larpers uh inadvertently cause some like real life uh demons to, to come come about into their world and so it seemed kind of funny but it is it's so poorly made like uh it's like if you're gonna make a movie like this either have the budget or don't do it because yeah. the there's a lot of cg in this that is absolutely atrocious yeah and it just every time they show something like that it pulls me right out of the movie it's also kind of tonally incons- inconsistent like it's a comedy but there are all these kind of horror elements that i didn't expect at all like it's really violent uh but some parts of it are funny. Steve Zahn is fairly funny. Peter Dinklage is great in it. Uh, it also stars Ryan Quantin from True Blood. True Blood. And uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Community? Abed. Chevy Chase. Oh. <laughs> Chevy Chase. No. no, Abed's in it. He's funny too. Uh, he's not in it a whole lot, but it's just uh, extremely disappointing. Mm. Like it, it doesn't. It's kind of belittling people that are actually into LARPing, LARP. which, you know, I'm not into LARPing and I don't really get it. But, you know, it's whereas like role models kind of kind yeah. of poked poked fun at it, but it wasn't disrespectful to people that are into that type of thing. It's harmless fun. Yeah, I, f- I feel like this one was kind of disrespectful to people that are actually into LARPing. Uh, but either way, it's not even worth seeing to begin with so all right let's jump into our first review we're talking about robocop from 1987 this is directed by paul verhoeven and it stars um peter weller as robocop nancy allen is officer ann lewis incompetent uh, competent officer incompetent officer ann lewis Uh, The synopsis here says, in a dystopian and crime-ridden Detroit, a terminally wounded cop returns to the force as a powerful cyborg haunted by submerged memories. Kevin, what did you think of RoboCop? Uh, It's been ages since I saw this. And number one, it's unintentionally hilarious because it's the 80s. Oh, yeah. So everything 80s-wise is hilarious. Also, it's got a great... Great amount of camp to it, but it's got that, you know, underlying bite of social commentary where a lot of it's actually done perfectly. Especially, I love the commercials. For, uh, my, was the my, one new, new <laughs> that is my absolute favorite one. For whatever reason, number one, the idea is just, it's fucking brilliant because it yeah. just it just goes to show you how ridiculous that whole thought process is but just the little boy screaming pakistan's threatening my borders <laughs> for some reason it just makes me lose it uh uh and some of it's just batshit insane it is a crazy movie it's it, in all honesty it's not like a good movie 
because some of it's just really god awful. The di- some of the dialogue that's in there is just fucking idiotic. But it's just a perfect combination of all of those things that it works. Some somehow it fucking works. Well, I love RoboCop. I was obsessed with RoboCop when I was a kid. I had all the action figures, the ones that you could put the caps in, you know. And make mm-hmm. uh, so, but I think when I was a kid, I don't know if there was a cartoon or something like that, but I know that I didn't see the actual RoboCop movie until uh, I was still a kid, but I was a little bit older. And I remember seeing it and it gave me nightmares. Oh, like, no. I had nightmares from RoboCop. And I'll tell you what scene. It's the scene when the fucking guy yes. falls into the toxic waste. Yes. No, he drives <laughs> straight into it, man. And th- he comes out as a hideous, disgusting mutant. Yeah, and like then, he, the skin on his fingers are melting off. It's, it's so it's gross. Face. And, well, that's part of the batshit insane part that I'm talking about. Because, I mean, number one, it's already over the top. Ridiculous. With the, like, the android bot that whatever reason they make it sound like a squealing pig <laughs> and but you know the fight sequences between him and robocop and just when they're at the steel mill and they have their ridiculous guns trying to take down robocop and he's driving the van who mm-hmm. uh, what is it's the the doctor from er which oh, i thought was hilarious i forgot that that was him <laughs> and there's just that big silo that says toxic waste and i'm just thinking to myself why the fuck not just drive that van straight in there, buddy? Let's do it. And just the way he comes out is, oh, my God, it's so ridiculous. Why not, though? Yeah. You already then, got everything then, else in there. And then to make matters worse, they he, hit, they fucking they plow into him with the car, and he explodes. <laughs> he explodes into liquid. It's disgusting. Uh, this movie, This movie is insanely violent. Mm-hmm. Like... It was originally rated X, actually. Yeah. I mean, this, when this... they when they blow off Murphy's hand. Oh my god! <laughs> it looks so ridiculous. And the fact that it's bad enough that they show the hand fucking exploding, blood going everywhere. It's that he's got to put it up like right in front of the camera and just show that like shattered stump and just the blood pouring out of it. Yeah, but it looks really real though. That was the thing, at least to me, I thought that that looked No, and that's the thing. You you know, we talk about this numerous times when it comes to effects. Like, you just said it with Knights of Badassdom. If you don't have the budget or you don't have the skill, don't fucking do it. And here, 1987, they're able to do it. This is back in 87. I mean, when Weller takes the mask off and it's, you know, you see his his face. Yeah, it, it looks pretty damn good. Yeah, I thought that all that stuff looked good. I think the only thing that really dates it is the stop motion. Yeah. The, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. The E, what was it? The E205 or whatever, the, mm-hmm. the big robot. Like that, that dates it. But at the same time, when I was watching it, I was still impressed by it. Like I was like, oh, it still looks, it looks good. It doesn't look real, but it looks good for what it is. Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is there's so much camp elsewhere in the film mm-hmm. that it fits in. If I just in with, I mean, what's uh, Joe Cox? His ridiculous laugh, <laughs> <laughs> just his nonstop ridiculous laugh. Uh, when Emil has the where he robs the the gas station mm-hmm. and he's filling up, you know, and he shoots and there's 
gas going everywhere. And Robocop, for whatever reason, it's like, oh, shit, stuff's coming back to me. And he takes a little break. I love the fact that Emil's sitting on his motorcycle. There's gasoline spraying everywhere. And he's like, oh, before, you know, I get away, let me just finish this cigarette real yeah. quick. He takes like four drags and then flicks it. <laughs> Why Robocop's just fucking standing there. There's just so many things about this movie that make it a classic, though. Like, when I think of classic science fiction movies, this is this is one that I think of. Just the just the overall look, you know, like at the beginning when they're when we see what Robocop sees, you know, the first person view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the, when they're first hooking him up and stuff and just all of that. Whenever they switch to like the first person view, I, I love all that stuff. And um, just I love everything about it. But when you think about it, it's it's completely ridiculous. You know, he's oh, yeah. so like Robocop is so slow. And, like <laughs> He's so loud. And he has that weird uh, spike thing that comes out of his hand that can apparently just do everything in computers. I don't really get what that's all about. <laughs> and I love how every single computer has that hookup. Oh, yeah. Like he just, just walks just up. Standard. To, he just walks that's what, up to me. That's what USB just... drives. <laughs> that's what USB drives look like in the future. Giant spikes. Well, I, lo- <laughs> I love the fact that, you know, the first crime that he stops is, you know, the guy robbing the little mom and pop shop Mm -hmm. and i love the fact that you know he just unloads a whole clip (laughs) on the whole time every single bullet that comes out he says fuck me while he's shooting them and robocop just throws them into the freezer and he's like and then he just leaves yeah like did other cops come and arrest that guy or do they just got to deal with the guy that's in the freezer themselves i'm sure that he contacted I would like Police, I I would like to think I that guess. he didn't, and then that guy just came back and then just rob finished robbing the store and then left. One little scene that I like, and I don't know why I like this, but the scene when RoboCop first shows up at the police station and all the cops are running, <laughs> running through the halls. <laughs> just the scene of all these cops running or running down the hall. I thought it, was, it just looked so goofy to me. Oh, and you know when he's shooting his gun. And number one, his gun is fucking awesome. I know. What his an gun, awesome gun. His gun is so cool. But when he's, you know, at the shooting range, which apparently all the cops take do shooting range at the same time. Like, no one's watching yeah, the streets. They all, <laughs> yeah, they all do it. The whole squad. <laughs> and I love how they all just stop. And they're like, oh, it's super cop. <laughs> so fucking ridiculous. Oh, God. And it... But the thing that I mentioned earlier is the writing. Like, some of the writing in this is just absolutely atrocious. Like, the whole exchange between Dick Jones and Bob Morton in the bathroom, <laughs> where Dick Jones is like, yeah, sure, I've called him names. Called him boner. And one time I even <laughs> called him asshole. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, Dick Jones is out of control. <laughs> and then he, like, he grabs Morton's, like, he like caresses his hair. Yeah, do do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he, to make that. I don't know if he's like threatening him weird. or he's like going in to make out or if it was like a threatening make out session. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, it was very weird. But like in his threatening, he calls him buddy boy, mm-hmm. which I'm just like, who the fuck says buddy boy? Are you kidding me? But then uh, he did. He does go on to grenade his house. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, he does. Well, I think that as far as the dialogue and the writing, I think that this is on par with 
a lot of the other movies around this time, especially science fiction movies. You look at Escape from New York and... I know, and that's what's so great about it, though, is to watching it now, it's just... it's unintentionally hilarious but it, to me it's like i watch movies like this and it's just like there's just no other i don't know if you can ever recreate this you know and we're gonna get into what i thought of the the reboot in just a bit but it's like i i think that these movies were just such a, a product of their time mm-hmm. yeah and i and i love the the whole social commentary stuff in it too like i just i thought that all that stuff was great the commercials the yeah i'd buy that for a dollar (laughs) (laughs) which is funny because there's a new rap album out by billy woods a blockhead and he uses that in the song and i'm like where the fuck is that from i know it's from somewhere yeah and then as soon as it came on last night i was like oh my god yes there was a there was a bot on Twitter for a while. I don't know if it's still up, but anytime anybody would would tweet the word RoboCop, it would be a there would be a retweet uh, from the from this from him, and it was the the little avatar was a picture of that guy, and it would always retweet. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yes. Oh, just just amazing. Uh, the other thing that I love is the theme. I love. Mm-hmm. The oh, yeah. theme song of RoboCop. I think it's amazing. I love the the directive four. I just love mm-hmm. the idea of that. I thought that that was genius. Yeah. And just the the idea of you know he's dead now. He's their property. Right. There's nothing they he's nothing they can do. And just the whole idea of like for profit police force, which is funny because back then you know it's social commentary, but now it's like yeah we have that now. Not with yeah, the police force, but we have it with the military, and we have it, especially here where we had, you know, the for-profit prisons, and especially in Pennsylvania where we had the whole the correction facility for um, for teenagers. Yeah, you remember that yeah. whole scam that was going on? Those judges got busted. Yep. So you watch it now, and you're like, yeah, I could, I could totally see this happening. They, they actually just, I think it was like a week ago, had a Law and Order episode about that. Yeah, that's for you. Um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see all that. And also this is a really topical film just because of the, you know, all the stuff that we're going through now with the drones, drones and NSA stuff, like all of that just feels like it's something straight out of this movie where we're we're beginning to use robots, you know, but that's, that's essentially what the reboot is all about. Is it it about a drone police force? Is it drone cop? They should have done Drone Cop. Drone Cop. Well, drone cop. the the reboot does is kind of like that, but mm. does um, the, who is there anyone that does, that has a cameo? Is there any cameo no. that no, no one pops up? No Kurtwood Smith popping in? Nope, not that I. Oh come on! Recall. No. Awesome. No. What did what you think of old Red Foreman as he, the villain? I honestly thought he gave the best performance. He was. I thought a, he was unbelievable. In this yeah. Film. He was an evil, evil bastard. In this movie. <laughs> the whole, right? Everyone pulls out their guns, and just the way that he says it, guns, guns, guns. <laughs> Do you fly, Bobby? <laughs> oh God! Can, one, can one last thing that I thought was just hilarious. I lost it at the end, which is Felton Perry Johnson character. At the end of the film, when RoboCop comes in to the boardroom, <clears throat> and 
you know, everything happens and he's able to shoot Dick Jones. And as soon as he starts shooting Dick Jones, you see in like the right side of the frame, Johnson just leaps up from his chair with this look on his face where you know inside his head he's going, shoot him out the window, shoot him out the window, please <laughs> shoot him out the window. And then when he finally does. This is going to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, if you notice, like everyone else is sitting and Johnson gets up in just the most excited state I've ever seen in someone. And then the fact that when he finally shoots Dick Jones through the wind through the window and he falls to his death with the terrible, terrible stop motion animation where his arms are like oh three times too long. <laughs> they could, it's just the slightest cut where they show Johnson with the biggest smile on his face and he just turns to Robocop and just shoots him a thumbs up. <laughs> oh God. How else? It's a ridiculous movie, but I love it. How else do you how else do you finish that movie? That's the perfect way. It is. Now, have you seen any of the sequels? No. no. I uh I have I have uh all three of them on Blu-ray and the third one's really bad. The second one's not too bad. The second one's pretty much the same as the mm-hmm. first one. Uh it's just a little bit different. Not as not as good, but it's it's still decent. But the third one's pretty bad. Mm. Um, are you are you a fan of Paul Verhoeven, the director? He did mm. he did like Basic Instinct. He did Total Recall. He did Starship Troopers. I think he's honestly, I think he's decent. I don't think he's anything special. I know that a lot of people are really into him and think that he's just he's a lot like his films are a lot smarter than they look. They are well. I think that they are. I I, th- I, mean, I think that I there's think to a point of it is too, but like in RoboCop's case, he he didn't write it. No, that's true. So, but but, but he has a, he has a style though. When you when he, you look he at does to- have a style. When you look at Total Recall and when you look at Starship Troopers, you know that it's the same director. Yeah, because they, he does the he does the, the style sort of camp. Yeah, I I agree, but I I just like I like the the commercials and stuff like that. Because oh, they do, they do that in Total Wars. Recall and Starship Troopers as well. I haven't seen Total Recall in forever. I pretty much just realized anything that I saw from that span of time, like the 90s, like anything that I saw in the 90s, I don't remember it, except Last Boy Scout. That's it. <laughs> well, I remember, see, I remember a lot of this stuff. Most of this stuff I've seen on, like, Fox, when Fox would, like, Sunday afternoons, when they would just show movies. Yeah. These are the movies that they would play. They would play Total Recall and RoboCop and all these, you know, 80s action movies and science fiction movies. That's where I saw, like, all of these. Now, when Starship Troopers came out, we were older, so. Yeah. I, I saw I that. I still really like, don't remember that one at all. It's, uh, I, I like Starship Troopers. Now, I haven't seen it for years, so I don't know. Yeah, I remember. It, it I, rem- up. I remember loving it when it came yeah. out. Casper Van Dien. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, a quick question for RoboCop. What do you think the Detroit of now or the Detroit of RoboCop? Which one's worse? (laughs) I don't know, but I think it's funny that that it uh, it does take place in a future where Detroit is a complete (laughs) fucking mess. (laughs) Oh, God. And the the new one also takes place in Detroit, so... Well, I mean, where else would you have it take place? 
Yeah. Uh, so if you were going to give RoboCop a star rating, what, what would you give it out of 10? Uh, this one's tough. This one's tough. I guess a, like as a film, I'd say like a 7 or an 8. I'm in like 7 to 8 territory. I'd give it like a 9 because I just love it so much. And I'd, I'd like, I don't know. What I'm wondering is if it was cheesy back then. You know, like, was it, was it intentionally cheesy? It's, it's difficult. That's what, that's what I'm wondering. Because it, it, you can't, it's really hard to gauge. Because is, what, is that just a sign of the times? Or was it intentionally like that? Or was it just cheesy even for 87? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I also enjoyed uh, Paul McCrane's hairstyle. <laughs> that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And I think it like towards the end, I wanted to look that up. I could have sworn I heard him say "faggot." He probably did. <laughs> I was wondering, like, because I heard it at first, and I was like, right, "Really? Did he just it was, say it that?" Was okay, it was okay to say that back then. <laughs> did he just say <laughs> that was acceptable? Acceptable language back then. Now I gotta. Do, I forgot that I wanted to to do all that looking up, all that research before we did this. Yeah. Uh. Well, I think that that'll wrap it up. Any other thoughts on? Uh... Robocop? Uh, I honestly want to play Nukem. Like, yeah. I want that game to come out. <laughs> it looks awesome. I would see, like, I would honestly love to play that game. That seems like something that someone would adapt into, like, a Flash game or something like that. Like an iPad game. Yeah, really? Why? Get on that. Get on that, indie developers. Yeah. You guys have you guys have so many tools come on. available to you now. You can make that happen. It'd be like an updated version of Risk. Yeah. It'd be awesome. All right, let's talk about the RoboCop remake. This is directed by Jose Padilla. Ernie, welcome back to the show. How you doing, sir? I'm uh, doing good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, the synopsis states, In 2028 Detroit, when Alex Murphy, a loving husband, father, and good cop, is critically injured in the line of duty, a multinational conglomerate, Omnicorp, sees their chance for a part-man, part-robot police officer. Now you wrote the review for the site, so I'll just uh, I'll start it off this week uh, with my thoughts. Um, I didn't read your review because I knew we were going to be talking about it, so I don't really know. Mm. I know I know the score that you gave it, and right. I, I was not into this movie. And and the biggest thing that I kept doing the whole time was comparing it to the original in my head. And I know that that's right. it's something I try to avoid with remakes and reboots. But for me, it was just impossible. Like the whole time I was just thinking to myself, well, they did, they did that better in the original. They did this better. Everything about it, uh, with the exception of the performances, I think uh, I, I mm-hmm. liked better in the original. Uh, the, right. the only thing that I that, – that was really the only thing I liked about the new one was that the performances I, I liked a lot. I liked Gary Oldman. I liked Joel Kinnaman as Alex Murphy, a.k.a. RoboCop. I liked mm-hmm. Michael Keaton as Raymond Sellers, the bad guy. Uh, I even I even liked Jackie right. O'Haley as kind of the the douchebag uh, weapons yeah. guy or whatever whatever he yeah. was. Uh, robot he trainer was. or something. Yeah, yeah. The, the robot wrangler, the drone wrangler. Yeah, that, uh, that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... And uh, you failed to mention Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel Jackson, yeah, he was uh, the kind of on-air personality. I guess he was sort of a, a take on uh, like a Fox News correspondent, sort of that was 
trying to get yeah, like a uh, what was that guy? Chris Matthews, I guess it was Hardball. I guess whoever whatever his name is, something on that line. Yeah, like he was the one that was trying to get America to sort of adopt this uh, these robot police force things because in other countries in like war-torn countries uh they deployed all these robots to keep the peace and it seemed to be working out really well in other countries but america never adopted it and they were trying to get a bill passed and that's kind of what the movie's all about like they decide to make robocop because it's kind of a loophole because he's also part human so they're able to create him and get him on the streets in order to win the vote to pass this robot bill right uh, which is which is different than in the original robocop movie which is uh if i remember correctly in the original robocop movie uh isn't omnicorp taking over the police force they're privatizing the police yeah, they're, force yeah they're already running the force by that point and uh and they uh needed a contingency to replace the malfunctioning Ed 209 and RoboCop ended up being a viable option. And it just so happened to be Murphy, the original uh, Peter Wells Murphy was wrong place, wrong time. So yeah. There's, there's a lot of differences between the new one and the original one. Uh, in, in the original one, he was shot and killed uh, very violently. I might add. Mm. And in this one, he's yeah. blown up blown up by a car car bomb uh which isn't as effective to me um one other thing i thought that they did better in this one was just the look of um not i I didn't particularly like the suit more but just how they would show the inner workings like when they would take them apart i thought all that stuff looked really cool expected with the advances in visual effects and uh whatnot that this will be a better looking for the most part in comparison to the original. Um, but basically when you take like an Etzel and put in new parts and a new, new, uh, new body, it's still an Etzel. So um, basically it's, I haven't watched the original Robocop in a while and I didn't watch it until after I saw the remake. So, but even in that case, the movie, the original trilogy was still in my mind and I tried my best to keep it out. So I can just focus on the movie itself, but on its own merits, it's just a below-average sci-fi actioner. Yeah. Um, I, mentioned, I mentioned in my review that it just has no heart, and there's no emotional connection, because if you're like, my prime example is, um, I mentioned in the review that throughout RoboCop, you don't really know that there's still a man in there, and you're like, watching it, it's like, okay, I can just see his lips and his chin. I was like, all right, he's a robot. But slowly, as it's chipped away, the armor starts breaking down, and you realize there's still a man in there. And then you realize Murphy's still in there. And then when he takes the mask off, and you finally see what it looks like, as an audience are like watching, it's like, oh my God, it's Murphy. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Murphy. <laughs> and you're like, you feel so sorry for him. And you're like, something's like, man, it's like, you got to get those guys. And, but here, it's like, oh, well, we already know it's Murphy. Everybody knows it's Murphy. It's like, he's Robocop. It's like, okay. I'm like, so what's the emotional connection? I'm supposed to be like, 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 okay, kill me. Like, I want to die. I'm like, Lily, the wife wanted to do it. And I'm like, like, she's lined the papers. And you're like, like, okay, don't tell her. I'm like, it's like, and then I compare it. Like, I remember in RoboCop 2, they dealt with the family and not, not perfectly handled in, the, in RoboCop 2, but they still 
dealt with it a lot better than they did in here. There's just um, and no emotional connection, no heart. You're not emotionally invested when it goes after the bad guy. You're like shrugging your shoulders, like okay, you got. Whereas in the original, you're like, it's like get him, get him, get him, yeah. get him. Yeah. You know, like the, and I guess that's the other major point is that the villains are so lackluster. I mean, I'll even go so far as to say the villains in RoboCop Three were more <laughs> more uh, effective. Well, they ser- yeah. And, uh, well, especially. I mean, the guy, the guy kills Lewis. Yeah. Like in cold blood in RoboCop Three, and it's like now he's like, okay, Ro- okay, Murphy, get him. And then in this one, Lewis is pretty much. He's fine. The token black guy, I guess you could say that. Yeah, and he gets he gets shot, <laughs> but he's fine. Like he bounces back. Yeah. Like not even necessary. You don't even need the name Lewis, just call him somebody else. Well, yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. I mean, especially in the first the first two. I mean, even in the second one, how you had like that kid that was like the the one main bad guy, the young kid. Like they yeah. had all the all yeah. the villains in the first two Robocop movies had a lot of I mean, th- they had a lot of character to them like they were they were crazy yeah. and they had and they, they you spent a lot of time with those people too in this movie they were just forgettable mm-hmm. like they're just whatever like they they spent a lot more time at omnicorp in this one and and the yeah. conflicts between michael keaton and gary oldman which i liked but if they're trying yeah. to go for that kind of humanistic element where you know, uh, Murphy is trying to reconnect with his family and, and trying to mm-hmm. still be a father and a husband. They don't they don't go there with it. Like it's they they spend so little time on that that relationship. And and we don't even know what the relationship was like before he became Robocop, really. And that's not something yeah. that they really developed in the original series. Uh, too much but at least you have like these little things like the whole tj laser thing with uh you know when he with the the gun spinning and all that stuff like just putting in that small bit in the original robocop movie let us know it it brought it to a, a more human level and it showed that you know he is still there's still part of Murphy in there and that he's still thinking about yeah. his, his family and stuff. And they try to do that in this one, but it just, it doesn't really work too much. I mean, the big thing is the scene when he finally overrides the, the uh, emotion thing or whatever, and goes and mm-hmm. rushes back to his house and, and solves his own murder and all that stuff. But none of that really worked yep. for me. Yeah. That's, it's interesting sci-fi stuff. Like, Probably wouldn't there if they focused more on like the search for the soul within the machine, or or does the machine have a soul, even though it's actually part human and stuff like that. It's like that. Gary Oldman was the best part of the whole movie, and because he was obviously the the audience's connection, saying it's like, no, there's a guy in there. Let's see where this is going. What's going to happen? And everybody else is just all corporate and taking it as a as a computer. But um, all that stuff, just focusing on that stuff, I thought might have been made a little bit better. But um, but there's just so again, it just all falls back onto the original, where it's like uh, this worked here, this didn't work there, this worked here, this worked there, and um, it's like I knew going out that this was going to be a straight RoboCop minus all the satire, which uh, which is fine. But it's like for me, the whole Samuel Jackson involvement was like unnecessary. Well, the, it was and way like, too much. First I mean, of all, yeah, it's like because it's supposed to be. Like, is it supposed to be the filler for what the satire and commercials were in the original yeah, trilogy? I cl- yeah, like, clearly that's what they were going for. I'm like, come on. It's like, I, I'm like losing interest. It's like, 
And it's like I'm just watching like uh, the part where he cuts off the senator while he's talking with Keating mm-hmm. and uh, the senator, and then just cuts off the senator. The audience started laughing. I'm like, I just like shook my head, like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just a little laugh. It's like it really serves no point in the entire in the entire thing. And I also brought it up how in in my review that it, it annoyed me that in every RoboCop movie, RoboCop Murphy gets the last word. Like in the first one, what's your name, son? Murphy. The second one is like, hey, we're only human. And then the third one is, you call me Robocop. And then it's like, here, the last word was given to Samuel Jackson's character. I'm like, this isn't a Samuel L. Jackson movie. This isn't enough Samuel Jackson. I think Murphy is the one who should have the final word. In the yeah. movie. Murphy is the last, should be the last image you remember so that they make a Robocop too. You know what to expect. Yeah, I'm, like, sure that, I'm sure that they will be making a Robocop too. Now, what did you think as far as the action comparing that to the original? Did you did you find because I found the action to be pretty mundane in this one? Like I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't thrilled with any of the there's, action scenes. There's nothing really stands out to me action wise. I mean, it's like there was the whole fight with the Ed Two Hundred Nines at the end, which was okay, but the the fight with Kane had more impact in RoboCop Two. Like when we were comparing it to the originals, like but there's no way to get around it. And the lack of excessive violence was definitely something that was missing. Yeah, now that's because it's like that. That made it more visceral, right. more impactful. I mean, there was they had to obviously they changed that when they reached RoboCop Three, which is PG thirteen. But for me, I know everybody hates it, but I kind of liked it for all the character stuff. Yeah, and I I haven't um, watched RoboCop Three in a long time. I, I watched the first two fairly recently, and that that was a mm-hmm. big. Uh, thing going into it for me because i knew it was pg-13 and i knew that they were going to make it very glossy very hollywood and uh i think that it didn't it didn't work out i mean one of the big things about the first robocop was that it it was so dark and gritty and dirty and violent and then and then even more darker in robocop (laughs) 2 but and that and that fits in with the theme you know the theme of of RoboCop yeah. is it's a it's about a city that is completely overrun with violence and crime and oh, speaking of which did you get the feeling watching this that Detroit really isn't a bad yeah. place to live yeah where was the <laughs> like, uh, we, yeah where's the, where's you, the, the drug dealers the prostitutes all around every corner I'm like I was like well, what's wrong with this city yeah when you when you look at the first <laughs> RoboCop there's like there's like uh, fires everywhere and garbage all over the streets and rapists yeah. everywhere. And it's just, it looks, it's just such a horrible place. And in this one, it was supposed to be the same thing. It was supposed to be that, you know, there's all this crime. People were, p- the police were completely yeah. out of their element. Like they were losing. Yeah. Cops are, cops are getting killed. And like, I'm not, I'm not getting that feeling here. <laughs> yeah. It's like the verbs look great. I want to move there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that feeling at at all throughout this movie. Now, uh, I, I guess it's uh, we'll, we'll have to do like a little brief spoiler thing. But um, as far as the uh, now, you did you did talk about the the special effects. Um, I thought that you know that the Ed two hundred nines looked decent in this movie. What did you think of the new suit? What did you think of the new RoboCop suit? Too sleek, too too close to battle armor than being a robot. Yeah, it looked like the suits that they wear in the yeah. first G.I. Joe movie. Mm, yeah, yeah, kind of definitely on that line. It's like uh, when you watch the uh, originals, it's like you 
he looks like a robot. He feels like a robot, but here it just looks like a guy in suit. Yeah, it does. And the way he moved too, like yeah. during the action scenes specifically, it didn't. He didn't move mm-hmm. like a robot um, when he was like walking. And it's also not very. It's not very stealthful either. No. no. Well, that that's kind of, walks makes a lot of worry. That's that's kind of the funny thing about RoboCop. When you when you look at the original series, he's slow, he's loud. Yeah. You know, it's just so it's kind of ridiculous. And then he was like that in this one, except for during the action scenes. Yeah. Then he's like fucking jumping around and doing flips in the air. Yeah. And he's just superhuman. On yeah, and, just yeah. I don't know that that seemed ridiculous. Um. The gun in the original one is way cooler. I think that that was kind of silly that they made it like a stun gun in this one. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, there was just yeah. not, there's just nothing about this and, one that I. And, and the quotables, there's like not, nothing to quote outside of the ones that they reused from the original. Which they, which I think was extremely poorly done yeah. when they would throw in the, the certain lines from the original. Yeah, I think, uh, speaking of throwbacks, I think the use of the original Basil Polidor score was a mistake. I, I think it was bad. And, um, I, like, the, the they, like, redid it, and yeah. I just don't... Yeah. You know, I think it would have been better if they just used the original score. Yeah, just, it should have just abandoned the score. It's like, three, they used it three times, the title, when the title comes up, I'm like, really? And then they use it again in one of Samuel Jackson's pieces, and they reference it again in the end credit themes. I'm like, yeah, you're just reminding the audience of the original RoboCop. They're gonna be like, "Yep, this is not RoboCop." Yep. Yep. So, well, uh, let's let's just do a brief spoiler section because there's a couple of plot details that I want to get into. So we'll we'll have the time code in the show notes. So we're in a spoiler section now. Um, the thing that I wanted to talk about mainly was the what they did with the the police chief in this one and how mm. in this one they. It was a woman, first of all, and then they also made her working with the enemy. They, there was a twist where she was actually a corrupt cop, and that, that was right. a big part of the, the storyline where, you know, Joel Kinnaman, as Alex Murphy, uncovered this big conspiracy and all this stuff. What did you, what did you think about that? Because that was, that was a big change from the original. Um, that was pretty indifferent. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a reveal. You already knew who the two corrupt cops were. Um, that's no spoiler there. Uh, you figured that out early on. But when they revealed who the mastermind is on the force, it was like, it was like, oh my God, it's so-and-so. It was like, well, I'm like, eh. So, I mean, I can't remember the actor's name from the original trilogy, but he was great at the Yeah, piece. yeah that's why I mentioned um, it, because he was really great. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like on, on the level of like a Mission Impossible, where they made Jim Phelps the villain mm-hmm. um, when he was a hero in the TV series for all those years. So um, I guess they wanted to try something different, but it's just the way that it was handled. And at that point, you're like, I guess the problem was that you haven't really seen RoboCop, the new RoboCop, doing any police work. Right. I mean, really get really getting out there and, and stopping crime, which was like a thing that not a lot of people remember from the original, how he just went out there and just started like taking out the the bank, the uh, the store robber, the rapist, the uh and I can't remember what the other the uh, the the guy trying to kill the mayor and stuff like that. But here it's like he, he quickly catches that guy, and I think that was the last actual law enforcement arrest that he makes until he starts going after the uh, syndicate. Right. Yeah. So it's like you're like, eh, okay, whatever. <laughs> and I think it's like I think that the whole thing's abandoned after that. Like I don't remember them ever going back to it. Now, what did you think of the uh, no. the like the climax when he finally kills? 
Michael Keaton at the end? Um, it felt kind of cheesily staged the way it was going down. I was expecting, I don't know, something different because you knew, because if you think back to the original, this was like, Dick, you're fired. Yeah. And that, that's and that turned that's off the uh, directive four, whatever the prime. Yeah, prime that turned off the directive four. So, you know, like seeing him fight against the program, which they say he was able to do, but they didn't play that up to really show his struggle to fight with the program. Or they could have found, I don't know, I'm not a writer. They could have found another app to get it done or something. I don't. I don't but see why. Like, didn't, why didn't work. I, I wish that they would have just done the same thing that they did in the original because that was great. You know, f- firing mm-hmm. him and taking off the Directive Four, which prevents RoboCop from injuring anyone that's within OmniCorp, an employee of OmniCorp. Yeah, because basically, he's you now. There is no. There was no old man in this one. So you thought that Michael Keaton was the old man, and uh, so at that point, you got no Dick Jones. So. I'm like, who's going to be the Dick Jones character? And you're thinking, oh, it's Gary Oldman. It's like, no, Gary Oldman's actually a good guy. So, um, yeah, they did, they did kind like, of yeah. restructure the whole cast. Um, cause there's also the Jay Baruchel character who's the marketing guy. And mm-hmm. I, I don't recall, was there like a marketing guy in the original one? I don't recall that. No, not really. There was, um, one guy, I can't remember the character's name, who, He's, he was in all three of them, but uh, he was like the the guy in the background who was always hanging around with the old man. Hmm. I mean, can't remember the character's name, but um, I can't remember what purpose he served. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just uh, I basically just said that in the end. In the end, no one's gonna remember this. So, and I have, right now I'm trying. I'm struggling to remember <laughs> this moment from it. And I saw it just several saw it like five days ago. Yeah, yeah, same here. <laughs> I was like trying to think of different scenes in it and i was like wait a minute did that okay yeah that had happened i remember that now yeah it's it's a very forgettable movie uh any other spoilers before we get out of the spoiler section um yeah, nothing comes to mind right away yeah really just that that one plot detail is all i wanted to discuss all right we're out of a spoiler section so uh what do you think about uh, as far as like performances um you mentioned that gary oldman was the best and I, I agree that he he was good uh, i loved the the conflict between him and michael keaton I, I really liked that aspect of it anytime that they were on screen together i was i was enjoying that what do you think mm-hmm. what do you think about joel kinnaman as robocop kinnaman was good but again it's like he's no peter weller and in the 15 20 minutes that Weller was Murphy before he became RoboCop. There was just so much charm there, so much character development that one little like move, one little thing he did you know, that that spoke volumes about who he is and and the character and how you can get connected to him. But um, uh, he didn't seem to do that here. Maybe it's partly because of the way the character was written. Well, but there's no real. It was a very pedestrian backstory given to him and it's before he became robocop and it's funny you mention so, that because you would think that it'd be the reverse because in the original robocop the the character of alex murphy when they turn him into robocop he's very much like a robot like he doesn't have much of a personality at all he talks uh-huh. he talks like a robot and in this one uh joel kinnaman he just acts like joel kinnaman like he acts like yeah his human self yeah, just 
in this. Yeah, it's still the same the guy. Suit. He just happened to be inside a suit. Yeah, so it, I think it's funny so, how how the Peter Weller Alex Murphy seems to have more more of a soul than the Joel Kinnaman character. And I don't mean that as a knock against Joel Kinnaman. Cause I think he, I like him mm-hmm. a lot and I think he did fine. I, I think it was just a, just an issue with the, the script. Mm. Yeah. Michael Keane, I thought was good. Um, not his best villain turn overall, but, um, I, I just but, like to see yeah, him on like, screen. Like I just, um, I like, I like it when Michael Keaton comes back. Mm. For me, it was like, I guess, yeah, the best would be Gary Oldman and the worst was Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I think that just the Samuel L. Jackson, was, it, it, he was just, it was too much. And I wish that they would have just kept it the same as the original and had like the fake commercials and that type of thing. Because I, mm. I really enjoyed that in the first one. I think that yeah. that, that that was a good addition. Did they do the, the fake commercials in the second one? Yeah, they kept doing the commercials all through the first three. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. But anyway, I, they just weren't as funny as the first. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I, so. they did them in the third one too. Yep. That's all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they oh, did. That's cool. I have that on Blu-ray. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. Maybe I'll give that hmm. a watch. Oh, maybe, maybe now after seeing the remake, they'll look at RoboCop three. It could life. be. It was like that was actually pretty good. It could be. It definitely could be. Um. But, um uh, I don't really have anything else to say about it. It's just, it was better than the Total Recall remake. I'll give it that. At least I thought it was. No, I actually like the Total Recall. I like the Total Recall remake. I was... Different enough from the original and um, still recognize the same elements. Yeah, I I was not... I would prefer... I I like this one better than the Total Recall remake. Both of them seem completely Mm. unnecessary. Uh, (laughs) I don't think either of them needed to be made. I think it'd be cool if they got Paul Verhoeven to do the RoboCop remake and just let him do it again, but just in a modern, you know, update it. I think it'd be interesting to see what kind of ideas he would come up with now, you know? Right, right. Of course, they would never do that because he would probably make it R-rated. R, NC-17 or something. Yeah, I mean, the the first (laughs) one was rated X, so... He's like, I want to put Robo Six in there. <laughs> like, no, Paul is not that kind of movie. Yeah. So but, um, either way, not a not a big fan of uh, not a big fan of RoboCop, really. Uh, but I mean, I knew I knew I wasn't gonna yeah. like it going in, and I really tried to keep an open mind with it. Mm-hmm. But there was just not a lot to like about it, especially if you're a fan of the original. Yeah. I mean, if you're a fan, you're probably you're probably gonna end up not liking it, and if you've never seen the originals. Maybe you'll really enjoy it, but hopefully it'll get you to go back and watch the originals. But I did see a lot of kids, maybe like five or six year olds in the theater. Hmm. So I doubt they'll be seeing the originals for another 10 years or so. But then again, I'd be wrong. Yeah. Parents are probably already showing them to them. (laughs) Yeah, could be. All right. You gave Robocop a four out of 10. Is that correct? Yep. I'm going to give it a four and a half out of 10. Uh, I would say actually avoid RoboCop. Did you did you see this in the regular theater? Or did you see it in IMAX? I saw it in the regular theater. Turns out it wasn't reformatted for IMAX, so I didn't bother. Yeah, yeah, I saw it in the regular theater as well. All right, well, thank you, Ernie, for your thoughts. RoboCop is in theaters now. Yeah. I would probably say avoid it. Just see it when it comes out on Netflix. All right, thank you very much, sir. You're welcome.
All right, let's go ahead and jump into some predictions. RoboCop, you said 36, I said 41, actual 49 on RoboCop. Uh, Winner's Tale, you said 34, I said 41, actual 15. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that, that's one that I'm actually glad that it, that it got that kind of score. Fantastic. Some, sometimes I'm happy when movies are not received well. I'm... I'm generally most happy when they're not received well, because I'm a dick. Yep. Next week. I like how you just just like, (laughs) yep, you are. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Well, (laughs) speaking of movies that uh, are destined to fail and probably are going to be happy to see fail, we have Pompeii next week. What the fuck is this, by the way? Paul W.S. Anderson, man. What? Paul W.S. Anderson. Are we allowed to just take historical events and just come up with any batshit story we want? This is is 100% accurate, (laughs) straight out of the history books. Is this This what we're allowed to do now? We can just fucking bastardize anything we want. A lot of people are comparing this to Titanic, which uh, I don't think is necessarily a good thing. Who's doing that besides Paul W.S. Anderson? Who outside of the director? They're they're not comparing the quality. They're comparing the storyline. Story, okay. Like the storyline is about this uh, kind of scrub oh. gladiator, you know, fighter that I guess falls in love with a, a noble woman or something like that, and then uh, then Pompeii happens. Oh. Then the volcano happens. Oh shit! And they need to run for their lives. I hope that the last like fifty five minutes. It's just them running, trying to outrun a volcano, and they fail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they do fail. (laughs) I mean, I I guess. Yeah, but Anderson's going to... Yeah, he'll make the the two of them get away. Everyone else in the entire city perishes, but these two lovebirds are going to get out of there. You know why? Because love conquers all, Kevin. You're damn right. Even conquers volcanoes. Should be called love versus the volcano. (laughs) But I... Or or what you're going to have is... You're going to have the old, like, they'll be the ones that are intertwined with each other in a yeah, loving embrace. The yeah, and then, and then they're going to flash forward to today, and there's going to be tourists there, yeah. and they're yeah. going to see the two of them holding hands. You know you know that's what it's going to be. Yeah. That's it. I'm, that's going to be <laughs> e- either that or it'll be the same as Titanic where he'll save her and, like, push her out of the way when the lava, <laughs> the magma <laughs> hits oh this is why are people letting this happen i don't know it looks really bad though so what are you thinking on pompeii god awful seven (laughs) (laughs) and if it's any fucking higher i am gonna be pissed i'll say 12 uh three days to kill this is another one that i think is gonna be pretty bad so i'll say 25 i'm gonna say seven I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna, I might go all sevens. Uh, well, th- those are the only two wild oh, releases. Right. In limited release next week, we have The Wind Rises, which I'm pretty excited to see. Yes. Well, see that. I'm not excited to see it, honestly. I want to see it, but I'm not excited. I want to see it. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the storyline doesn't really interest me. Yeah. I just want to see yeah. the animation. Same here. Uh, we also have In Secret, which I'm not exactly sure what that is. Uh, Omar, which I think I heard some good things about. It's uh, it's nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, that's foreign language. Yeah, Holy Ghost People, 
which we saw at South by weren't too weren't too into that one. And then Almost Human, which I'm actually kind of excited for. I think that played at Fantastic Fest or something like that. Almost Human? Isn't that the TV show? It, well, there is isn't, a TV it, show. It, I was going to say, those. is there a TV show? Yeah, but this is an this is actually like a low budget indie horror film that looks pretty cool. Kind of, it kind of looks. It's got like a a thing vibe to it. Mm, okay. But it's got a great poster. Uh, next week on video on demand, we have Holy Ghost People, Cheap Thrills, and Almost Human. Okay. I guess Cheap Thrills doesn't come out in theaters. Uh, next th- this Friday it comes out. I think in a couple weeks. So. Mm. Uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases, we don't have a lot. Yeah, I was looking at this. There's pretty much there, nothing coming out. There, yeah, there's this is a, an off week. We have Afternoon Delight, which I heard kind of middle of the road things. Like, I, re- I read some good things and some bad things yeah. about that one. Yeah. I have a mild interest. Uh, Hellbenders, which I thought was decent, but it as it progressed, it slowly started falling apart. On the Job, which I liked. It's a an action film. Uh, is it from Philippines? Maybe that's the one about the how they they pull prisoners out of jail oh, to yeah. carry out assassinations and then oh, put them back that's in. That's right. I forgot I about liked that it. movie. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Uh, and the Pervert's Guide to Ideology. Oh, now yeah. this one doesn't this one doesn't interest me really, but I did like the Pervert's Guide to Cinema. I think it was cinema or film. Pervert's Guide to Film or Cinema. Whatever. Yeah, I think it was cinema. I, I like that one. That guy's I don't I don't really know that guy, but he's uh pretty funny and pretty smart. Pretty smart guy. And you have a couple couple big criterions, right? Well the, there was one other I don't think you mentioned that I see here is Dark Man. Dark Man comes out? <laughs> 1990s Dark Man with Liam Neeson. Same Raimi. A, yeah, I guess it's getting a Blu-ray treatment. Getting the old Blu-ray treatment. Yeah, we got uh, we got a big one coming out, which is Criterion Collections Blue Blu-ray release of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, I'm I'm really oh, excited for that. Oh my god, oh, I want to see it so bad. I'm gonna buy it just so I can rewatch the whack bat scene. <laughs> <laughs> I could just I, watch that whack bat so, scene. I know. You know another thing? I'm also very surprised that there hasn't become like a sort of like hipster league of, you know, actually playing this game back. and like, yeah, well, you know, like well, Bushwick I mean, ha- or something. Have, yeah, like they have Quidditch. So, you yeah, know, they have that. Come on, hipsters. You, that is. Make a whack bat game. Yeah, that is. Let's do it. All the uniforms can be like corduroy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh man, it'd be oh, fantastic. Man. You could stitch together your fucking logos. Instead of Ga- instead of Gatorade, it's everybody drinks PBR. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you have fucking bicycle polo. Get some whack back going on in Bushwick. Come on. There you go. And the only other criterion is Hitchcock's foreign correspondent from nineteen. Which I've never seen. Yeah. When when did that come out? 1940 okay so it's like the this was his this was his first film coming from britain this was you know one of his first hollywood films so this is when he made the transition from british film industry over to america this was one of the first ones and it was nominated for a best picture i have to check that out 
Big fan. Who isn't? Who isn't? Not a lot of people. Not a lot. I want to meet that one person. <laughs> it spit on him. That one contrarian. It'll probably be the guy that starts up the whack bat. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, anything else? No, I think that's it. That's okay. all I got. All right. Well, I think that that'll wrap it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter, at filmpulse.net, and be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.